security of your business records has become a hot C-suite topic and board-level topic as more and more companies make unflattering news when they've been hacked and their valuable information gets stolen and misused. Now, I understand most of us may associate hacking with identity theft, but it can also lead to the loss of valuable trade secret information. So no matter how you look at it, keeping your business records safe is a huge and important topic, a business priority, as our information age continues to explode with more electronic ways to communicate than ever before. And that's why I'm delighted to have as our guest today a cybersecurity expert to give us some guidance in this area. He's Rusty Gilmore. She's a respected and trusted business advisor, an Ivy League business expert, best-selling author, and no-nonsense lawyer. She's Hannah Hassel-Kelchner. Whether you're an entrepreneur or an intrapreneur working for someone else, I want to give you the inside scoop on how to ignite more business success by doing the right things in the right way. Because no one likes getting blindsided by what you don't know but somehow should or getting stuck paying for it later. Think of it as a mini MBA and school of hard knocks wrapped in one and on steroids. This is Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hassel-Kelchner. Brought to you by Business MO LLC. Rusty Gilmore, a security consultant from Protus 3, a security consulting investigations and design firm with a commitment to fully comprehensive programs and controls so that their clients have the assets and stability to profit. He's been involved in countless cases involving computer forensics. Think of it as CSI cyber, but at a business happening near you. Now, it's always smarter and cheaper to learn from other people's mistakes, so I can't wait to dive into this terrific topic. Welcome to Business Confidential, Rusty. Thank you, Hannah. Good to be here. Great to have you. Uh, let's start with some basics. What exactly is a hack? A hack is, the better term for a hack is a compromise. It's when someone accesses your data or your computer system or in today's age, your iPhone, your iPad, or mobile device with without authority or without your approval or permission. Okay, so that's not just somebody from the outside trying to dig their way in. It could even be somebody on the inside. It could be someone you know. Uh, it is an unauthorized access. It's someone, you know, getting your data or looking within, you know, inside of your computers uh, without your permission um, at, at its basic level. That is basic, and that covers a lot of territory. You know, most of us, when we hear these situations with Sony or Walmart, you know, they're big businesses. And I would imagine that there are some folks with smaller businesses that think, oh, this can't happen to me. What would you think about that? Well, it's not true. I mean, we read in the press the dramatics, um, anything that will get the uh, the readers or listeners' attention, like Target, uh, Home Depot, uh, Office of um, uh, personal management for the for the federal government, but you don't read about the small doctor's office with you know ten thousand uh, patients whose information got exposed, or the small retail shop who, or even food truck who's collecting credit card information uh, as you place an order that that they've got data also that people would be interested in, whether it's uh, a hacker, whether it's um, someone from out of the country within the country, or even uh, someone that may be an employee at that establishment. So who's most at risk of being compromised? I'll use the proper term. <laughs> well, 
anyone who has data that someone else would want. Um, if you're an attorney, you may represent people that others may be interested in. So therefore, you become a target only because of your client list. Uh, a CPA firm, an accounting firm, they have tremendous amounts of financial data on companies and on individuals. Retail establishments, we see that time and time again with, you know, as I mentioned earlier, Target, Home Depot, um, Kohl's, I think uh, TJ Maxx. Uh, the the more data someone possesses the m- and the more public they are, the more likely they are to be a target. So you can become a victim of your success, right, in some ways. Yeah, the the more exposure you have um, puts you out there as a target. Um, small businesses that don't advertise that much on the Internet are, are kind of in the weeds where there's hundreds or thousands of those types of businesses aren't often as much of a target as larger businesses or businesses that are more exposed, like a law firm, um, uh, like agencies that advertise on the Internet or put themselves out on the Internet. And think about it. The more I put my company or the more someone puts their company on the Internet, the more data they expose about their company, their corporate officers, their staff, photographs of their staff, their staff's email address. So as more of this data gets put on the Internet by the company themselves, the more likely they are to become a target because of all the information they've put out there. Understood, but it's sort of a mixed blessing because at the same time, you know, we do live in an Internet age, and one of the first things people will look for if you're trying to contact them is they check you out on the on the web. You know, who are you? And if you're not there, well, then, then that looks even shady. <laughs> so it's a mixed blessing. You really you have to tackle the, the topic of security. So let's talk about some of the threats that even small businesses should consider. Well, trying to stay on topic in regards to putting your information on the Internet, I'll start with phishing emails. Those are emails you'll get that profess to be from someone you know asking you to do something, whether it's uh, from your website-based account saying, your account has been compromised, you need to log in, click on this link, and enter your user ID and password. Phishing emails, just as the the term uh, explains or, or states, is they're phishing for information. It could be, you know, your user ID, your password. There's been phishing emails that purport to come from the FBI, the IRS, And these emails are crafted by someone in hopes that when you receive it, you'll click a link and in some cases call a number and provide those people with the information they're looking for. Uh, Those have become more and more prevalent uh, as businesses and individuals put more and more information online. I would say phishing emails are are becoming an issue now because you're giving away your information. It's the easiest thing to stop to be aware of what you're receiving and what you're clicking on and who you're calling uh, in response to an email that you get. You know, the phishing is really interesting because it is so common, and, and even people who you would expect to know better often fall victim to it because they're they're trusting. 
And I'm not sure if right. it was you or someone else that had told me about a situation where a company was testing its employees, and they sent out a bunch of phishing-type emails, and the employees that clicked on the link were invited to a cybersecurity program training. <laughs> so it was a good way to, to drive home the point that, you know, be careful what you click on. Well, and companies have to train their employees. And you've got other types of emails, too. Um, I've had several cases where CEOs uh, and executives or accountants within a large company have received emails crafted to look like they're coming from the president or someone higher up in the company. And that email specifically requests wire transfers of money. And people and companies are falling prey to that. They're they're wiring money based on the request of someone they respect who is unable to be contacted for one reason or another. And the hackers, the people crafting these emails, know that. They've done enough research on the company to understand if I send this email to make it look like it's coming from this executive to this CPA or accountant, then... I'm more likely to have that money wired into the account I requested to be wired to. Emails are a big piece of the puzzle for securing a company. If you can secure that entryway into your network, if you can make your employees aware of the vulnerabilities that exist when they open up an email and just hammer it day in and day out how cautious you need to be, That'll stop a lot of the issues that are going on in, in, in corporate America and small business and, and even in some personal uh, accounts. So you would put email at the top of your list of cybersecurity threats? For, for small to mid-sized businesses, yes. Normal, business, normal businesses, yes. Everybody's going to get spam. And, you know, We've all gotten spam. We're all going to get phishing emails uh, from out of the country saying, I've been injured, send me money, or your website's been hacked, or your account's been hacked, click on this link. Right. That's why we spend so much money on anti-spam and antivirus software, but they still make it through. So I've always felt if you can stop that or at least prevent as much of that as possible and educate staff, educate employees what they should and should not click on and should and should not believe and that's going to stop a lot of the problems, um, not all of them, by all means, but a majority of the problems that uh, the companies are facing. Well, what's a good way to train employees? I mean, some people would say, well, that's common sense. You don't click on it until they, of course, click on it. And then it's like, well, I didn't mean to. <laughs> and that type of thing happens. But, but what is a good way to, to be training employees or keep this top of mind? What do you recommend? Well, I recommend if you see something in the news, or you hear about a case where somebody clicked on a link and provided their login and password and got hacked or lost money, share that with the staff. Share that with the employees. We're constantly getting alerts from the media about new hacks or new ways people are trying to steal your data. You just have to constantly interact with your employees and make your IT staff, and this will be something we may have to talk about a little bit, not every company has an IT staff, but somebody in the company probably needs to take on the responsibility of educating people on what emails they should be cautious of, and if they have a question, to pick up the phone and call someone who they trust as an advisor on how to handle suspicious emails. 
here's an example. If I, I got an email from an employee the other day, and it didn't have a signature page on it. It just had a link, and it said, this looks interesting. I picked up the phone and called the employee and said, what did you just send me? And he said, yeah, I just wanted you to look at something. I was suspicious. So I was suspicious of a suspicious email he sent me. But pick up the phone and call somebody. If you're a bank, if you bank at a national institution and you get an email saying there's a problem with your account, click on this link, reset your password. Pick up the phone and dial the 1-800 number off the back of your credit card or your bank card and ask them, did they send that to you? Uh, it's If you're inquisitive and inquiring just a little bit, you can prevent a lot of headaches that, that happen uh, in small to, to medium businesses. And not ex- just exercise blind trust. Because I'm sure everybody's gotten a phone call at one time or another if they're traveling and they're not in their usual circles, you know, where your bank is checking up on you to say, your credit card was just used in this town. This is an authorized transaction. So if, if that happens, why would they send you an email? They don't. And so that should be a tip-off. But people get panicked when it's about their finances and personal information, and they want to react because they think they're protecting it. In reality, they're, they're throwing it open. But let's go back to what you just said a second ago about contacting an IT department. What if someone doesn't have an IT department, Rusty? That's always a difficult question to answer. Small companies, 5 to 10, even some 20 user companies don't have an IT department. And in some cases, they'll have someone they contract out to. They'll have a, a one-man or a two-man shop or even a national firm that manages all their computers, all their emails, even their security. So they need to reach out to them. Now, of course, financially that may be frustrating at points because if you get billed every time you pick up the phone to call them up to ask them, hey, I just got an email and this is what it says, do you think that's should I click on it or not? I don't know how that's going to work with your service agreement with them, but find someone you can rely on to help you. I've even Googled phrases in the emails that look suspicious to see if there's noteworthy information on the Internet that would indicate that that is a nefarious or suspicious email especially the ones you get from the FBI and the IRS. I mean, those those will pop up real quick and, and indicate that this is a spam or this is a phishing email that's been going around for, for years, months, if not years. Got it. Now, tell me about the cloud, because more and more things are being stored on the cloud, and there's different points of view about security. I mean, like, where is this cloud? Where is this stuff? What do you think about that? Well, has its pros and cons, um, and just speaking from a security measure, first off, the cloud has always been there. When I first started using the Internet and first got my email account, it was through AOL. That technically is the cloud. My data was on their server. Uh, it's just become a bigger entity now where we store more data on it. Even applications are being stored on the cloud uh, that you can use from your, your home or business computer. The cloud is just as secure as the password you use to get into it and as secure as the company that maintains it, the Amazon cloud. Amazon provides a tremendous number of services and products in in their cloud, what they manage. And they have security options for their applications and products too. 
but the bulk of the security as far as accessing that day accessing that data rests on the owner so if a small company uses the cloud to store data and everybody uses the same user ID and password to access that data, they basically have no security. You you have to start at that front door, that login information. If if your login information is your first name and your password is password, you will have a problem. So I'm I'm okay with the cloud. I feel comfortable storing data in the cloud as long as you know what you're doing as long as you understand that that data may not be available if that service provider goes down and that if that service provider gets hacked, then your data may be vulnerable to that, that hack or that compromise. But the, the service providers, yeah, the service provider is not responsible for you not setting up a decent password, and that's going to fall on the, 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 the owner. Well, the password... Let's talk about passwords because it seems like every time you open up a new pr- computer screen, oh, you, now you need a password for this account, you know, and, and all types of accounts, even little tiny things that are, seem to be inconsequential. And it's like, okay, how are you supposed to keep track of all these passwords and make them all unique with characters and upper, lower, this, that, and the other? What's a good way to keep track of them and, and maintain the security that you say is the key to the front door to the cloud or wherever we store our data. I fight that just as much, if not more, than any other user. Uh, we've got banks. We've got one or two email accounts, work and personal. We've logging into Blackboard for school. I mean, the, the list goes on and on. They, they always say, don't write it down, but um, if you're using different passwords for different sites, I don't know of too many people that that can remember all of them unless they use what I call a, a string of characters they're familiar with. Not a sentence, not 1 through 10 or or A through G, but think of something based on that website. Let's just say it's bank ABC. You can use a password where you have you use a certain number of characters uh, based off of, if it's a bank, your first character is always one, then maybe your initials, and then maybe the abbreviation of the bank, and then maybe a year, you know, the full four digits of the year. And keep it the same at all your other sites, but change it up. It will change based off of what kind of website it is. And, and that's something that each user will have to come up with. And I know it sounds complicated, but I get people constantly who use password one two three, or password oh one, and password two, and then password three, and, and you know they use the same password. If your Google account gets hacked, and you use the same password for your Google account that you use for bank accounts, guess what's in your email on your Google account? Your bank ID, more than likely. Now you may not have been and probably weren't emailed your password. But if you use the same password on your Gmail account, if somebody gets into it, there's, it's easier for them to see where you bank. They see your ID in the email. They go to that bank site and then try the password they've already hacked your Google account or your Gmail account with. So it's very important to change up those passwords. 
there are programs that you can download, even web-based applications. I'm not going to advertise any. You can Google password management or research password management, and they can help you keep up with all those passwords in a secure environment. Now, with that being said, a recent attack on a password management company called LastPass, L-A-S-T-P-A-S-S, they were compromised. So you just have to be diligent on keeping up with those passwords. Um, If you write it down somewhere, put it in a safe. Don't put it in your wallet. Don't put it in your glove box. Get a small safe you can put it in. If you ever forget it, you can go back and, and, and open up the safe and look at it. But don't put them under your keyboards. I get I get hired to uh, review offices sometimes, and you'd be surprised how many password lists I find under keyboards or in the first hanging file uh, folder of a drawer. What are some other common mistakes that you see people do with their data security besides keeping passwords under a keyboard? Thumb drives. Uh, we put stuff on thumb drives, and we lose them. We leave them on our desk. We pass them around to friends to put their stuff on. Who put you know, and it, and it, you know, more and more data gets put on there. Sharing passwords, sharing accounts. I can't log in. I I, I don't have time to do that. Here's my user ID and password. You go take care of it. A single point of failure. I often see companies who only have one person who can handle a particular security-related job or data-related job for that company. And if that one person were to no longer be available, what does the company do then? And that can lead to some, some severe issues also. And not maintaining updates on computers and antivirus applications. It's, it is a job. It is a task that you have to constantly remind yourself you know, changing passwords, update software. Is my antivirus working properly? Uh, do I have a firewall on my network, and is it updated and working properly? These are all pieces and parts that you have to think of independently and manage them and monitor them. Well, I can see where that would be a challenge for smaller businesses, especially that you talked about, you know, if they have 10, 20 employees, maybe even a little bit more than that, because that's not the area of expertise to begin with. They're working on their particular product area or service, and they're good with their marketing, their sales, their finance people, their business leaders and managers who don't necessarily have that tech expertise. So being able to find it can be a challenge, especially since basically you're you're entrusting the company's family jewels yeah, in a way. Um, yes, you are. So it is an expense. But there are other expenses in businesses, too. I mean, you 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 take measures and steps to protect your company. That's why you have insurance. That's why you spend so much money on, on insurance for, for many companies. You need to also think of your data uh, and the information that you have uh, in your network and securing that as insurance. I think a small company with 10 or more employees, and of course this is all dependent on the type of business they're in, they need to research managed security for their environment, whether it's through a service provider like AT&T or whoever they get their broadband or their Internet access through. AT&T offers products. Time Warner offers products. Uh, you can go to some of your uh, local chamber of commerces and speak with them about 
companies they're aware of that help small companies manage their information security, and there are a lot of good ones out there. Oh, that's good to know. I think in the past, too many folks have viewed their data, their files, as just some kind of an inconvenient housekeeping function, when in reality, they need to start focusing more on these pieces as assets because they truly are, and they don't realize how much it means to them until it's gone, until they've been compromised and people have misused it and they feel horribly violated and then wonder what do they do next. I mean, if somebody feels they have been hacked, compromised, excuse me, <laughs> I'm corrected here, um, what do you recommend they do, Rusty? What's the first thing someone should do? Number one, if, if you've truly been hacked, um, someone's accessed your computer without your authority. It, it is a crime. I don't know that local law enforcement has the resources to investigate all of the, the bad spam emails we get. And I also know that the federal agencies that investigate hacks are burdened with a lot of a lot of work. And so they're not going to be able to help me out too much. As let's say a small business where somebody's hacked my account and I think they've taken my drawings um, or they have taken some of my employee records with Social Security numbers and stuff, and, and we'll try and keep it simple to understand like that. So if, if I've been hacked and somebody has stolen data that includes Social Security numbers for either employees or clients, by all means, notify your local law enforcement. You can even contact the FBI. I don't have the number in front of me right now, but you can contact your local FBI office. And I think if you go to the FBI's website, there's a contact option on their main page if you have a security-related issue or you've been hacked. And we'll keep using the word. I'm okay with it. So then you need to figure out what's happened. You know, how, number one, stop it. Unplug your computer. If it's just one workstation, unplug it from the network. Take it. Don't let it affect all the other computers in the office. If you think your entire network has been hacked, and let's just say you think somebody's stealing data as you're sitting there, go unplug your router. Turn it off. You leave everything available for somebody to review. Your computers are still running, but nobody can get anything else. And call somebody who can help you out. there are a number of security, IT security companies uh, that you can search for that can come in and help. And call your insurance company. I don't know if every insurance policy covers this type of um, event, but by all means, contact your insurance company. They do and are providing exposure or, or data leakage policies now. If you're exposed, if somebody gets into your network and collects a thousand records of social security numbers, number one, you're required required to report that. And then insurance companies are providing policies to cover the expense related to dealing with that type of issue. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, there are reporting requirements depending on the type of data that's taken. So if there's personally identifiable information, especially payroll records, the social security numbers you were talking about, that's very valuable to thieves. And it's something that would probably trigger a reporting requirement in your state. That's something you'd want to talk to your uh, personal lawyer about, your company lawyer, to see, first of all, how many states are affected and what their reporting requirements are. Because if, let's say, payroll data is compromised, you have to let those people know 
and you may want to offer some credit monitoring services in case that information is being misused so that they can stay on top of it and their their um, their credit scores don't suffer as a result, or worse yet, that their accounts get cleaned out. So very, very important because I know panic strikes when somebody's been compromised. You know, you don't think it can happen to you until it does, and then you start to wonder, what's my data? What do I have, A, to keep going with my business, and, you know, what could I have lost that can hurt me and how? So I would imagine you would recommend people identify where all their data is and how protected it is? Oh, yes. Um, and that's one of the biggest headaches I have to deal with when I go into a, a company when I've been contacted by a lawyer to go help his client deal with uh, data exposure, you know, his server getting hacked and data getting uh, out on the Internet and, and the deep web or dark web, whatever you call it. The issue becomes, okay, where's the data? What was taken? So we know what that is because it's out on the Internet being sold for, you know, 10 cents on on for social security number and so we know what it is we know where it is we know somebody got it how did they get it number one and where did they get it from and now that we're in this it doesn't cost that much to go get hard drives and usb drives and external storage devices we've got the same data in 10 different locations on our network i've had companies lose customer data that was on a laptop there's no need for that. It's important for companies to know where their data is and control that data and make sure that data is always only in that location, especially as it uh, relates to private information, social security numbers, dates of birth, and stuff like that. If you know where your data are, even if you lose that data or somebody compromises that data, the issue you have to deal with is a lot smaller because if you have 100 computers in your office and your data gets exposed and you don't know where they got it from, all of a sudden we have to look at 100 different computers. And it would be much better to say the data only sits on this computer. That's the only place it is. We can start with that investigation of that system to determine maybe what happened. And companies need to prepare, and that's part of the insurance or the security. Who do you call if you get compromised? lawyer, you know, whoever your law, lawyer is, your insurance firm, your security consultant, have those in place. Don't think you can sit down and Google or research who to call after the fact because that's when you make rush decisions and which, which can lead to mistakes. Have that information. It doesn't cost anything to put that together. What what attorney do I call? What insurance company do we have a policy with, if any, and who is a consultant we can call to, to come in and look at this and tell us what's happened, if anything has happened? That's great advice because that's really a, a, a crisis management plan for this type of contingency. If this happens, this is what you got to do, at least the starting point, and then you work from there. So terrific advice. Now, if somebody wanted to get in touch with you or Protus3, what do you recommend? What's the best way for a listener to contact you if they're interested in taking a deeper dive into this conversation? They can go to our website, uh, Protus3, that's the number 3.com. We have our 800 number listed on our website and our, our local number also. And uh, anybody would be glad to 
explain what we do. I, I mainly am involved in computer forensics and um, uh, electronic investigations or cases involving email issues or, or attacks on networks. But uh, we, we cover the gambit of corporate security here at uh, Protus 3. Excellent. That's a terrific resource to be able to access. So I'm just so happy that you've been part of the program here. Thank you for your insights into cybersecurity. It's been an eye-opener and a real treat. And also some great takeaways for people listening, some simple things that they can start doing today in order to make their data a little bit safer. So thanks so much. Thank you. My pleasure. Giving you the inside scoop on how to ignite more business success by doing the right things in the right way. Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hassel-Keltner. Brought to you by Business MO LLC. Thank you for joining me today on Business Confidential Now. You can get more information about today's guest and the resources we mentioned during today's show in the episode notes that are located on our website businessconfidentialradio.com Sometimes we even include some bonuses and goodies so be sure to check it out. That website again is businessconfidentialradio.com And also don't forget to subscribe to the show. That is the easiest way to keep up with the show and our guests those thought leaders, experts and authors who are transforming businesses behind closed doors around the world. Let them help you too. Subscribe today for easy access to the business information you need to succeed. You know, the reason we call the show Business Confidential now is because you don't have time to wait. So just do it. Subscribe now and leave a review. We want to hear from you. We want you to be part of our growing Business Confidential Now family. Tell your friends and colleagues so they can subscribe too. Because the more subscribers we have, the more great guests we can bring you and the more business intelligence you'll have available to ignite and fuel your continued business success. Have an idea or a topic, a guest that you'd like to hear on Business Confidential now? Contact me at the website, businessconfidentialradio.com and connect with me on social media too. We'd love to hear from you and stay in touch. Next week, Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hazel-Kelchner will be back with more of the business intelligence and inside scoop you need to succeed. Till then. <laughs>